Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. And today I have a delightful conversation with just a remarkable athlete and human being, Sarah True. In this episode, Sarah drops the bomb that she's pregnant and due in July. I had no idea and it completely stumbled me. Um, but it was absolute pure surprise and, 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 and joy. Um, so once again to Sarah, huge congratulations. Sarah moves on after dropping this news to describe her journey into the sport and the Olympics and Ironman and just everything else in between. And she describes the neurological issues she's been struggling with since Kona Ironman 2018. And she describes it as like a, a dimming switch in the brain that turns off the the lights, um, even when the body is just completely fine. There are so many laughs in this one. Sarah shares so many wonderful stories and there's there's just so many great takeaways. Before we go on though, thank you so much for listening and thank you for sharing. And any and all feedback is just always appreciated. So please keep it coming. If you'd like to support what I'm doing, uh, you could support the, the show's sponsors. Uh, I, that would really help me out. And or you can support me by um, contributing on my Patreon page, but please don't feel you have to. Um, but every little bit does just help me out. Um, I hope you enjoy Sarah as much as I did. She was really, really fun episode. Remember, success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. I want to give a huge shout out to Athletic Greens for supporting the show and for just being there every day for me. Athletic Greens is now very much a part of my daily routine. Just such a simple way to get a delicious blend of 75 superfoods, vitamins and minerals and probiotics and so much more. I really encourage you to invest in yourself. Invest in your own health for your performance optimization today and for your longevity. Sign up and have it delivered straight to your door. It's just so simple, tastes great and does what I really need for my health. I've also been doubling down on Athletic Greens Vitamin D. Just a huge proportion of the population are vitamin D deficient, myself included. And I focus heavily on getting out in the sun throughout the day, but when I can't, I religiously supplement with vitamin D. And right now, if you order, they'll give you a year's supply of vitamin D plus five free travel packs. Athletic Greens is just so much more than a multivitamin and multimineral. It takes to the next level adding in a daily dose of superfoods, probiotics, greens blends, and so much more to support your gut health, your energy, your immunity, and stress. So please do yourself a favor and sign up. It also makes a great gift for a family member or a friend. So sign up now and get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase by visiting athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Now, you've probably heard me on many of the episodes discussing hyperice products with my guests, whether it's sitting in the Normatec compression boots, which I've been doing after solid workouts for, well, 10 plus years, or it's the Hypervolt percussion massage devices that I use daily to warm me up before going to the gym, or the vibrating massage roller, which I use before every run. All of the Hyperize gear is just so easy to use and just keeps me going. My goal is to keep moving, keep physically fit for many, many years to come. And using the Hyperize products are just helping me do just that. So simple, quick and easy to look after my body at home. And I've just started using the new Hypervolt Go. It's surprisingly powerful and whisper quiet and ultra lightweight at only one and a half pounds or 680 grams. 
and it's 30% smaller than the Hypervolt. The Go is ready to provide relief wherever you roam with three speed settings, two interchangeable headset attachments, 18-volt rechargeable lithium-ion battery, and like I said, lightweight, easy to use, one and a half pounds, 680 grams, and it's TSA approved for carry-on. So get 10% off at all Hyperice products using code GREG10 at checkout. Go to hyperice.com. That's H-Y-P-E-R-I-C-E.com and use code GREG10 at checkout. Are you someone who uses bike computers while you ride and or wearable devices while you run? Would you like to have it while you swim? For years, I've been using bike computers and wearables on the run to gain feedback to help efficiency and performance. And now I can have it while I swim with the Form Smart Swim Goggles. Honestly, these goggles blew my mind. I put the Form Smart Swim Goggles on and immediately could see the metrics on the screen. I love playing with my stroke rate and seeing how it affects my pace, just as I did on the bike for most of my career, always trying to find the best cadence to generate power and create the most speed. With Form Smart Swim Goggles, you can see all the metrics while you're swimming, distance, pace, stroke rate, and heart rate. They have it all. The swim data is displayed on the goggle lens, and you can customize the display to see the metrics you want to see. The goggles track it all and are automated. You start them at the beginning of your swim and you don't have to press any buttons in between. They automatically track everything. The goggles connect to the Form Swim app on your smartphone and there you can review all the details of your swims and see what other swimmers are up to in the Form community as well. Battery life is incredible. One hour charge gives you 16 hours of swim time. So go to formswim.com forward slash Greg. That's formswim.com forward slash Greg and get $15 off or you can use code Greg15 at checkout. All right. Today's guest is one of the few triathletes to reach the top of the world at the shorter Olympic distance and then reach the top of the world at the Ironman distance. She represented the United States in triathlon at the 2012 London Olympics, finishing fourth and then again in 2016 at the Rio Olympics. And she finished second in the ITU World Triathlon Series in 2014. And after leaving short course in the Olympics, she quickly stamped her name as a contender for the Ironman world title, placing fourth on her debut at the Kona world championships in 2018 it hasn't all been smooth sailing but she continues to adapt and rebuild and is one of the sport's great champions and she's a longtime friend of mine and just a great talent of the sport of triathlon and an all-round just wonderful person so welcome and thank you for joining me on the greg bennett show sarah true aka groffy how are you Thank you so much for having me on, Greg. It's It's been really cool to see you transition to the podcast stuff. Oh, I've been really enjoying it. And you too, right? You've been, you've got, you co-host a show at the moment, don't you? Yeah, you know, it, it turns out that uh, if you're a bit chatty and you like talking to people, podcasts are a good way to get it out <laughs> of your system. <laughs> I know, I've, uh, it was funny, you know, I started this show, uh, well, about 18 months ago and, and it was all because I was doing this pre-recording for um, the 2019 Kona World Championships for NBC and I, I was interviewing a lot of the athletes for that and I hung up the phone with Sebastian Kinley after an hour and a half and I was like, I should have recorded that, you know, and so that was the whole catalyst for me getting into it. But it's really fun, isn't it, just to have these long-form conversations with people. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think what is cool is that, you know, after you've kind of focused on your own training and your own racing for so long, just sitting back and seeing how other people have gone about it, yeah, it, it really, it's, you're bringing your own insight into it, obviously, but just seeing how many different ways there are to, you know, achieve in sport. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. To skin a cat, as I like yeah. to say. <laughs> where no are you cats now? being skinned on this podcast. But. <laughs> yes. where, where are you at the moment? I'm currently at home in New Hampshire. Okay. Is it warming up there a bit now? Uh, yeah. You know, most of the snow and ice is melted. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the good thing is these days it feels like, you know, most of the athletes do so much riding indoors on their Zwift that it must be okay living in some of these colder places now compared to, say, 10, 15 years ago. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just technology. Like when, you know, the early days of trainers where you would have to switch out your your tire every season because you just burn up and you're staring at a blank wall. I mean, it's it's totally changed. So it's mm. not only is it uh, better for training, but also just so much more time effective. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you get down, you can do your work. You don't have to worry about getting the right course to be able to do, you know, your Tabata session and making sure that it's flat enough, whatever the case may be. You could just get your intervals done and bim, bam, done. Perfect. I, I actually think it's one of the reasons these last few years we've actually seen some faster times happening both in the in the half Ironman and the, the Ironman because I think people are be, being far more specific with their bike work. They're not just rolling outside for four to five hours. They're, they're sitting on the trainer and they're doing the specific work to the specific wattages and, and, and everything else they need to be, need to be get, getting done. Yeah, absolutely. And then and then you have the other element of, um, you know, staying in the aero position. So mm. somebody like uh, Paula Finley talked about this after Challenge Daytona, where she spent most of her training was mm. indoors and was able to do all of her intervals in a very good position and just got so dialed in and strong holding that TT position. Mm. And, you know, sometimes in the real world, you you aren't able to do that. Mm. It was funny. Yeah, she did mention that to me on the show. Actually, she did all her pre-challenge Daytona race in Alberta, Canada, in below freezing temperatures, <laughs> and it was just all on the treadmill and on the, on the bike. But she was so they almost create a little heat chamber there, and she was fine come come Daytona. I don't think it was terribly hot December in Florida anyway. Um, but she was so, like you said, specifically ready to race. Um, so th- there are be- benefits to you know just locking yourself in those rooms and and doing the work that needs to be done um but you're with are you working with zwift and wahoo are they sponsors of yours yeah they are um you know thankfully it's one of those partnerships where i use the products well in advance so it makes it it makes it a lot easier Mm. uh but yeah I, i work with both companies yeah that's a great setup to have now You've just had surgery, right? Bone spurs removed from your toe, or toe? what? Yeah. How's that all gone? So exactly. So um. Oh, let's just let's rewind a little bit here. Uh, <laughs> so let's rewind to 2020. Nobody wants to think about it because it was, you know, pretty mm. a mixed bag for most of us. Uh, so the first part of the year, everything's cruisy. You know, you hit March. Things are looking pretty uncertain. Mm -hmm. We head back home to New Hampshire. We were in Boulder for the winter. And, you know, I talked to my coach. I'm like, hey, Dan, uh, I have to take over homeschooling for a couple of my nieces. (laughs) We don't really know when racing is going to start back up again. So let's we went back to a uh, training block, you know, started back to basically base training. We're like, let's just see how things unfold. And by the time we hit the summer, 
uh, you know, I realized that just the uncertainty, I'm very goal oriented. I mm. love having a race on the calendar and knowing it's going to happen. And mm. just, we weren't at that point. So mm. I'm like, okay, I have no control over what's going to happen over the next year, but let me think about what I want in my life, you know, post sport. Mm. And let's try to like work towards that because I may not be able to achieve performance goals, you know, in terms of racing anytime soon, but I can start working towards like the mm. longer tor- term goals. And for mm. me, that was, all right, you know, I've had this foot thing for a while. I've had a bone spur on the top of my foot. I've been able to manage it at a pretty high level, but I just want to run again without pain. Let's, let's get that on the schedule. Mm. Uh, you know, my orthopedist had wanted to do it for a while, but it just, I didn't feel like I had the time to recover. Mm. Another thing was, all right, I know I want to go to grad school. I want I want to get my doctorate in psychology after sport. Mm. So let's start working on the prereqs. So I, you know, signed up for some courses. And the third thing was, Hey, uh, let's start a family. So yeah, I've been chipping away at all three of those. I hang, hang on. Hang, what? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just casually uh, drop that in there that, uh, you know, going to have a baby in a couple of months. No big deal. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I got goosebumps all over. Actually, oh, I, I, I wish we had film right now. My hairs are standing on end. Uh, that is the, <laughs> the greatest news. For, for oh, people thanks. listening to this, we are actually recording. What is the date today? April April 6th. So I'm sorry, this episode is coming out a few weeks late, but my goodness. Um, when, 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 when are you due? What, what, where are we? Uh, Mid-July. Yeah. So back, back in this, I guess, uh, late fall, I was supposed to get my surgery and I go in, oops, you can't get it because you're pregnant. Um, but then they're like, all right, we can move to second trimester. So I got, I got the, the chylectomy, the, the bone spur surgery, second trimester. Um, but yeah, our lives are going to change in a massive way. And the order of things have, have been, been shifted. <laughs> so like, I, I definitely want to try to race again um, before I hang it up for good. But, uh, you know, that was not my intent. Like mm. I really wanted to ha- race a final season and then start a family, mm. but you know, you just got to roll with it. Oh, massive congrats to both <laughs> oh, you and Ben. You. I'm so, so happy for you. Um, that's just, yeah, you've thrown me for a loop. That was not in my format. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, uh, I've been pretty hush hush about it. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know like a lot of people like to, to blast it on the social media, mm. uh, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll probably talk about it more openly, mm. but uh, yeah, it's been kind of fun to just keep it, keep it close to my chest. Yeah. We've got plenty of girlfriends to share. You know, you've got your, your sister who I want to talk about a little bit later. She has a couple of kids, like you said, your, your nieces that you're looking after, but then all your triathlon friends from, you know, Marinda Carfrey and well, my wife, Laura, and there's so many, there's so many women that have gone before you just now that you can, you know, pick their brains and, and, uh, have a little bit of motherhood bonding as this all sort of happens. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, mm. it's, I, I, you know, I need to tell them. <laughs> first. Oh geez. <laughs> I know before my wife and, and, and before Marinda. Okay. Yeah, that's it. No, There's the I, bombshell. <laughs> I've, I've told, I've told one friend. So I, not joking at this point in early April with you and me talking right now, Greg, uh, we've told immediate family and that's pretty much it. Oh, and wow. I told sponsors. 
Wow, I, I, I feel pretty <laughs> special right now. I'm just going to let that sit. <laughs> you know what's crazy is we, you know, I was uh, setting up, you know, all these conversations with, with different athletes and coaches and doctors and, and I wrote you, oh, I don't know, was it January, February, whatever it was, and, and your response was, yes, I'm in, but can we push it back for six to eight weeks? And I must admit, I was the thought crossed my mind is well, hang on, I wonder if she's waiting till you know a certain amount of time passed. But then, just last week, you kind of mentioned, oh, I've just had an operation on my foot, and I'm like, oh, that's what she was waiting just to get that done. So, um, yeah, you've totally tricked me on this one. That was great. <laughs> oh, my my pleasure. You know, you got you got to keep the interviewer on their toes too. Yeah, I oh, just. <laughs> So wonderful. And you said July, right? Looking yeah. July. So mid-July, the the timing works out really well. So my my husband, Ben, is um, a runner and mm. they have Olympic trials in June. Mm. So, you know, got to make sure that his sleep is good going in. Mm, okay. So, oh, great. Yeah. Because he, ha- he hasn't quite made an Olympics yet, right? So you've got that no. hanging over him, right? <laughs> oh, he's been he's been super close. So yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. we're talking 10th of a second kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, for people yeah. that don't know Ben True, he's uh, one of America's greatest 5K, 10K milers. Um, I think, what's his what's his 5K? Is it 13.02, is it? Yeah, you got it. You got it. I got yeah. it? All right. And he's yeah. 10K, what is that? Was it 27.10 or 20? Well, I can't remember what, oh, it, what it was. 27.14 maybe, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Ridiculous. Super fast. Ridiculous. I don't know. Yeah. Numbers that I don't really know how to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Me neither. I can't yeah. even fathom it. It's like, yeah. if, well, especially right now. Um, but at my fastest, if we went out and did a, a 5K, he would be done and I would still have like a kilometer left. <laughs> but trust me, at, at my pace right now, I'd have, I'd be halfway. So. <laughs> You might only have a kilometer. I'd have two and a half kilometers remaining. Well, I'm 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 packing a little extra right now, so it's slowing me down. Then the foot surgery. You've started to show a little bit. You know, you start to feel it. Yeah, I'm starting to get out of the awkward phase where it just looks like you know I've been hitting the the chocolate a little hard. Um, (laughs) You know, because like your your first, you don't pop quite as much, I guess. Yeah, Uh, yeah, no, but. Yeah, I I was on the pool deck today, feeling a little feeling a little funny because I saw somebody I knew, and mm. they gave me that sideways look, like either you're you're pregnant mm. or you've put on the like, COVID twenty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but just in the midsection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is that is so great. So mid July, when are the Olympics? Um, uh, August. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. But since no foreigners are actually allowed to travel there uh, yeah. to spectate, yeah. it kind of works out well that, uh, yeah. you know. You don't, you if, don't feel like you're missing out because you can't go anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, well I, I do wish the, the very best for Ben on that. Um, he has been oh, close in the past. So hopefully he's getting some good work done now. And like you said, getting plenty of rest before. Get the Olympics <laughs> done and then come home and be a dad and have no sleep for the next, you know, six months. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting because I think he's going to do his his marathon debut in one of the fall marathons. Oh. So we'll be we'll be mid no sleep. Um, yeah. Oh, and, you'll, be, you'll be fine. It's the first three months and then after that, everything settles down. Yeah. Well, hopefully. If you get them sleep trains. If you have sleep training tips, Greg, 
please let me know. Just put them in Laura. the put them in the room and shut the door. Yeah. No, <laughs> no honestly, that's basically what it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's hard though because you love the little buggers. Yeah, uh, it is hard though. So you okay? So you did mention a couple of other things in that list that were needed to be done, but I got kind of sideswiped there. You mentioned uh, <laughs> you're looking at doing a doctorate in psychology. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Um, yeah. How, so it's. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I've realized that. Uh, you know, it's, it's been like, obviously I, the natural fit would probably be more sports psychology, but I, I really want to do more kind of clinical. Mm. Um, I'm really interested in like, we're going to get a little specific here in integrated care. Mm-hmm. So going into like a healthcare setting, a hospital or whatever, and, um, you know, working with physicians and, and primary care people to help, uh, with behavior modification for, for patients to improve their overall well-being. Mm, um, mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really, you know, I think we've thought so separately about mind and body being separate entities, mm. um, you know. But in sport, you learn that it's fully integrated. Like yeah, the way, yeah, the way your 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 thoughts are it dictates a lot of how your body responds. And healthcare is starting to get up to speed with that. It's something we learn through sport. And that's really intuitive to us, uh, especially at a high level. But they're starting to understand that you can't treat us separately. You need to have people who who uh, help with kind of habit modification, things like that, in the primary care setting to to really maximize the health of their patients. Mm, that's so well said. It's you know you try to help somebody with nutrition. But then you start to realize you can't take nutrition just on its own. There's mm. a reason why we snack or we eat or it, it, it all comes back to psychology. There's a reason. I mean, obviously, there's a physiological response as well. But the psychology of nutrition is far more impactful than the actual physical, just what are you eating? Um, right. And and, and that's, that goes to say with with every – and I've said it on this show numerous times, you know, what we think has a direct impact on our physiology. When, when we talk about visualizing, like you said, as an athlete, where we visualize, we, we, ha- we have goals, we create habits and routines, and, and all of that is the power of the mind that sets the purpose for, for the, the physical body. And you, you, uh, Western medicine is so great in so many ways, but boy, does it miss a whole connect- connecting piece there. So I think that's fantastic what you're doing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's yeah. it it's starting to move in that direction, thankfully. Mm. Um, but I, because yeah, like you said, because it's something that we understand so innately as athletes, mm. and we it's it's hard to kind of step back and realize that the general population that's a really foreign concept to them that the way their mind operates affects their body. Mm. Uh, but we really need to start kind of driving that home. I think with most people. I think that that's an area that you could, I don't know, you've got me thinking now. We'll have to talk post-show because I, I've got ideas and ways that you could actually um, start a huge business out of all of that, <laughs> <laughs> says the capitalist in me, which is not appropriate when we're talking about just trying to help people. But I do think that there's, a, there's room to really impact a lot of people with that kind of a mindset, bringing what we learned as athletes over to the general public, not just amateur athletes and everybody else, but, but go beyond that. So I think that's, that's wonderful. Um, good on you. So well, how, how far along are you with all of that? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just chipping away. So mm-hmm. hopefully I'll be applying next fall. Um, 
to different programs and you know it's it's pretty overwhelming so i'd be entering hopefully what is that 2022 uh but it's pretty overwhelming thinking that you know it's it's going to be 5 years of my life back in school you know with with a little one mm-hmm. <laughs> yes but yeah, what yeah, i know yeah. about endurance sport is you know we can do it like you put your mind to it you can do it well you you can definitely do it i think it just becomes the one thing you do is you just say, look, consistency is key, right? Just keep turning up. Um, and whether that's study, whether that's training, whether that's whatever it is, um, you know, you're racing. I, I, I think you just got to keep turning up and you have that mindset. And, you, you know, the, the people that I've seen in the sport of triathlon, in particular, I've trained with some of the strongest women in the world. It's amazing what they can do and then take from their professional you know, athletic careers and into whatever you do next. So I think it's fantastic. A quick mini break. I really want to encourage you to do something special for yourself and sign up to Athletic Greens and get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase by visiting athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. I'm loving the new Hypervolt Go percussion massage device from Hyperice. It's powerful, quiet, lightweight, and TSA approved so I can use it while I travel. Check out the Hypervolt Go and all the other incredible Hyperice gear at hyperice.com and use code GREG10 for a 10% discount. That's hyperice.com. If you want to see all your key metrics like pace, distance, stroke rate, and heart rate while you swim, you need the Form Smart Swim Goggles. Go to formswim.com forward slash Greg. That's formswim.com forward slash Greg and get $15 off. Or you can use code Greg15 at checkout. But let's let's rewind the clock because how do we get to where we are? Let's I mean we looked at 2020, but let's take the clock even further back. Let's go back and just tell me, you know, when did you find your passion for sports and um, in particular endurance sports? Oh, geez. Let's rewind all the way. Uh, So I'm the youngest of three. And Mm. I think most kids who have older siblings, you want to try to keep up with (laughs) with them. Uh, You know, both of my both my siblings were pretty sporty. My sister joined the swim team pretty early. And of course, my first response was, I have to join now, too. (laughs) Uh, she didn't. She didn't let me join for a year, but then it just was always trying to keep up with her. She's three years older than me, you know. It was always better than me because of the the age difference. And then, uh, you know, I just kept on trying different things, played all different sports. Realized that I have minimal coordination, so the doing the endurance stuff is perfect. Um, going a straight line, you can't mess it up. <laughs> That's great. You know what's surprising is how many. And I was saying it to Laura before I came in the, um, today to the studio is how many of my guests are either the second or third sibling. Yeah. It's like this, I don't know, there must be people doing their PhDs out there studying the effects of being the second and, and what effect that has on, you know, the ability or, or what happens in those really youthful years to to impact us going forward. Um fascinating because it is it's that whole thing of i just got to try and keep up yeah you know um so so when did you find triathlon then uh so triathlon got my radar early 
back in like when you know we all only had a few channels on the TV. <laughs> I remember watching you know Paul Newby Frazier out in Kona just crushing it. I'm like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Uh, but you know, at the time, you didn't see tons of women doing sport, and so for whatever reason, it resonated with me that hey, I like swimming, I like running. This seems awesome, mm. but. Iron Man, that's nuts. I'll do that when I'm really big. Because um, when you're a kid, just those distances, mm. you know, that doesn't that doesn't jive well with you. And then, so I just it had it in my back, the back of my mind. We did not have any triathlons where I was. I, I grew up in, you know, very small town, about two thousand people. It didn't have anything like that anywhere near me. And by the time I was in high school. I decided to drive to a triathlon that was four or five hours away. It was my first one. And then every summer after that, I would do a couple more, a couple more. Uh, I swam in college, but, you know, still felt like this triathlon stuff, I would like to do it. Graduated from school. And I'm like, you know what? I've done a few races. Let's just see. Let's just see how far I can get. And I gave myself a two-year window to see if I could do anything. And at the end of the two years, I'm like, you know, I see promise, like, let's keep on going. I was living in Boulder at the time, you know, training with some phenomenal athletes. And I think it, it was a good wake up call that like, if I really apply myself, maybe I can get good. Um, but mm. really, like, I, I never went into it with expectations that I would be, you know, Olympian, that I would be world class. It was more just, let's see how far I can get. Mm. Mm. When you what years were those when you went to Boulder and were you training with were you with Siri Lindley then? Yeah, I was. I was yeah. Siri and uh, Miranda Carfrey and who else? Uh, Lauren Groves. Um, I mean, she's changed her name since. Uh, Mary Beth Ellis. So we had a nice little group of of women. Uh, you know, different different disciplines, different strengths and weaknesses, mm. different experience levels, and it was it was just really need to um develop with them you know and and learn things from them yeah so it was it was pretty eye-opening to me and then of course you're in boulder where you know it's the mecca of triathlon quote unquote mm. <laughs> and like you're just you're living in it mm -hmm. and so was that was that 2006 2007 yeah kind of the years? yeah so you graduated college what was that 90 uh 2000 and Three, uh, 2004 yeah 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 and then you decided okay i'm going to give this a good crack because and then when i look at your performances i mean you you had some pretty decent success pretty quickly i mean if i look at uh the doha world cup so this is when they were called world cups rather than world series events i mean that was march 2006 you had a seventh place there i mean was it that event when did you kind of realize hang on i actually this is a good decision to be doing this um, oof honestly it wasn't until 2008 when mm. you know i i like i went into it my goal was to qualify for olympic trials mm -hmm. and then uh like i think if i had been more mentally prepared uh you know i would have had a much better shot at making the team mm. and you know, I ended up being, you know, second alternate. Uh, but that for me was a wake up call that I need to take this seriously, uh, more seriously than I have been because I sold myself short. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I didn't believe that I was capable of being on the team. And 
of course I didn't make the team because I didn't think that I belonged mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So let's let's start believing that I'm good enough. Um, so that for me was a real, real marker in my career. And was that, did you stay, because you've had a couple of coaches along the way. Did you stay mm-hmm. with Siri then or was that, was that a time you tried something new or? Yeah. So I, I you know, the, as as is with many athletes, you you kind of just keep seeking something else. And, you know, I ended up uh, the next quad working with Darren Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went over to Australia and I, I just wanted to see what it would be like to be slightly like more focused. I don't want to use the word sacrifice, but, you know, sacrifice a bit more um, and just be a bit more. Yeah, he's he was a lot more hands on in your face, uh, mm. you know, challenged me and in, in really positive ways. Um, at the time, it, it really required me to get out of my my comfort zone. You know, mm. sometimes I've heard foreign coaches uh, call us marshmallow Americans. <laughs> so he had to kind of drive the marshmallow American out of me. And it, it made me a better athlete. <laughs> Well, it's it's. I don't know if that's quite fair, but I I, <laughs> I I understand the concept of getting uncomfortable to stretch yourself to go beyond where you've been. You know, I think that's very important for us to to grow um, in any area of our life. It's important, you know, to to challenge ourselves and and do something that scares us. I think uh, you know, and you mentioned Darren Smith, one of the one of the great coaches. He's uh, not coaching, I don't believe, anymore, but had a phenomenal squad there. Um, Geez, for a good six to eight years, I think just had a lot of great athletes, and it always seemed to me it was Darren Smith's squad versus sort of Joel Filiol's squad, um, with both the men and the women at all the World Series races there for a while. Did you see it the same? Yeah, I w- Darren struggled to coach women at the same level, but we had we had Lisa Norton, we had mm. uh, you know. Uh, who else was it? Uh, Kate Roberts, uh, Vicky Holland, you know, Ani Haug, like this incredible group of women. Mm. Uh, Barbara Riberos, you know, we, we all trained together for a few years and it was, it was, it was great. You know, we, we pushed each other on a daily basis. I think what was really nice is that one of his policies was to, to make sure that we were all, uh, you know, not in competition with each other for Olympic spots mm. and just trying to, you know, be one of the best in our country. Um, and then just when it comes to race day, just whoever has the best race does well. But yeah, it was it was really interesting because I I spent, you know, a lot of the year living out of a suitcase. And, you know, that's I think that's really important for you know, formation for a lot of athletes, but towards, towards the end of that, it started to get much harder, especially as I met, uh, Ben who became my husband and he was based in the U S. Um, so yeah, the, the whole living out of suitcase thing got a little bit old, but you know, I, I still adored Darren and, you know, definitely built some lifelong friendships in that group. I agree with you when you say, I think there's a point in every athlete's career uh, where you've got to go, I don't know, just live out of a suitcase like you said, but even even not live comfortably. I mean, you, 
live in you know a two bedroom house with with three or four of you as athletes and you kind of there, there's a real I don't know a little mongrel a bit of grit that comes out of that <laughs> yeah. experience you know and it's kind of I feel like we did a lot of that in the 90s as Australians we all leave the island down there and we all head over to Europe or or maybe to North America but it's that I think there's a resilience you get by by testing yourself and it not being comfortable for that period of time. And so I think it's, I don't think you need to do that for your entire career. Right. But I do think, like you said, it's almost like an education, a four-year degree. Maybe maybe you need eight years of that for some. But but that idea, I think, is is really, really fantastic. Now, tell me then, the Olympics 2012, how did you qualify and, and what was that experience like on the day you found out you're, you were going to London Olympics? Yeah. So for those four years, I really just wanted to put myself in a position where I could qualify and make the Olympic team because 2008, I didn't believe in myself, um, you know, didn't believe I was capable of making it. Mm -hmm. So basically that was my goal was to, to get there and feel like I, I belonged. Um, and we had, we had, uh, the first qualification event. If you had, two us women in the top eight then you would qualify and you know gwen jorgensen knocked it out of the park that day uh but thankfully a second athlete could also qualify and it was seventh and it just i think the big thing was you know mostly relief that hmm. you know I'd, I'd put so much into this process to get myself to that point and i i it was worth it you know, mm. it paid off. And that was, that was the biggest thing. It was relief. And then it was turning around to, okay, so next year, um, I'm going to have to figure out a way to be competitive. And that was, that was the biggest thing for me is I didn't, I didn't think, still didn't think I was medical capable. Um, and in hindsight, you know, that, that was a failure on my part. Um, but to get there and feel like I was competitive, at the highest level of sport was really important to me. Mm. Well, you and I, are, I can relate to ex ex everything <laughs> you're saying. I think if I could do the 2004 Olympics all over yeah. again, you know, and I've talked about on this show, uh, so I won't bore listeners, but, you know, my confidence was always an issue. Yeah. Um, and, and because of that, like you, you know, it was, it was fourth place at the Olympics, but I'll, I'll have you talk me through that Olympic experience now because I, I think there's, you know, you can be physically ready as, as you and I both would have been. Um, but what was that one little thing that we might've been missing that we now can learn from when we look back. So, you know, um, but yeah, tell me about that. You qualify for the games, you've gotten yourself ready. You've got a great coach in your corner. Take me through that London Olympic experience. Yeah, no, was, I, I think that was such a special time because we had so many women from different countries in my my squad and a couple of men too. And just having that collective energy, um, it was, it was very positive. It wasn't, you know, you can see some bickering within squads and we, we didn't have that. Uh, it was just a special time. And, you know, it was obviously it was incredible to see Lisa come out with a, a silver medal. Mm. Just, we were, we were all proud of the work we put in regardless of what happens on the day. And I think, um, you know, in hindsight, I needed more practice fighting for a podium. So mm. I get to the race. I'm totally scatterbrains because, you know, as you know, the Olympics is, is overwhelming. There's all this stuff going on. Uh, I, 
I'm lining up. <laughs> this tells you how scattered I was, uh, which is just my default mode before race anyway. If I'm a little ditzy, it means I'm probably going to have a good race. Um, but I'm, we're lined up. Like the music's playing. You know, there are millions of people in Hyde Park. Okay, maybe hundreds of thousands, but, you know, millions of people watching on TV. And I realize, oh, crap, I ha- don't have my swimsuit pulled up all the way because it's wetsuit swim. My suit's down around my waist. We're about to go out onto the pontoon. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, where where is my brain right now? So you'd, so you'd, I, hang on, hang on. You'd put your wetsuit on without pulling your swimsuit up? All yeah, way? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. I'm sorry to so interrupt. But <laughs> I, I had to tell the head coach, hey, I have to put my suit on right now because – the race is about to start, and the worst thing in the world would be you get to transition, pull off your suit, and your you know your wetsuit and your suit's not on all the way. Uh, so I like duck behind some tent, get things on. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go now. Uh, you know, the the swim was fine. You know, I'm I'm a pretty strong swimmer. Gotten out in the right place, and it just was this crazy, crazy bike ride. If you remember where. People were crashing over um, Buckingham Palace. There was this little loop Mm. and there were all these crashes left and right. And halfway through the the race, I'm behind this massive crash. I have to basically bunny hop a woman who's on the ground ahead of me or else I'm going to crash into her. And all of a sudden I'm like 300 meters behind the pack uh, Emma Jackson's right next to me. Oh. I'm like, holy crap, Emma. Did you just see that? I just Betty hopped somebody. She's like, yeah, but we got to go. So <laughs> I just like time trial back to the group. But for me, that was this great wake up call that, okay, stop being in La La Land. This is a race. Mm. Like you've been too lackadaisical. You haven't had, you know, you haven't been focused enough. And that was just kind of this, this switch in my brain for the race. Uh, we we get off the bike. I I don't think there were any more crashes beyond that point. But it's this huge group, and you know, tons of this massive pack of women off the front, and it's just you realize it's going to be this entire race is going to come down to a run race, which is not you know necessarily my forte. And we're just running. I'm just taking it all in. There are all these people. I'm realizing that, you know, the pace is a little hot. Andrea Hewitt goes to the front at one point, really pushes the pace, starts to break up. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just do a pace that's comfortable for me. So they had surged. And I'm like, I'm just going to stay where it's comfortable. Uh, And towards the last lap, I realized that I had basically gained. They had dropped a lot of people uh, who had passed. And there was only a group of a few of them. And all of a sudden I had bridged up to them and we're talking half a lap left, maybe Mm. like, oh my goodness, I'm in, I'm in the front pack of the Olympic games and I'm looking around and it's like 800 meters to go. And at that point I have this thought, all right, Sarah, there are four people here. One person's not going to get a medal. (laughs) <laughs> Which is, as you know, the wrong thought to be having at that moment. <laughs> well, I, in, in fairness, I, I, I think every single athlete still does it. I mean, it is a numbers game. I, I, I think we all look around and go, hang on, there's four of us. Huh. You know, and that's like, what have I, what weapon do I have to to try and make something happen here? And it's kind of, that's where you go to your arsenal and go, what do I have? Um, 
you know, so tell me that final 800, did you think you had a sprint in you or, or what was no. that like? So Craig, I didn't get to that point where I readjusted <laughs> and I'm like, what is in my arsenal? I was stuck in the, holy crap, <laughs> I'm in the front pack because for half the race, I was in like 10th position mm. and watching the front group ahead of me. So I didn't mentally readjust quickly enough to be able to think, all right, uh, like, in you know, obviously in hindsight, I would have recalibrated in that moment. But, but because I had so few experiences fighting for a podium mm. at mm. that point in a race, I didn't know my strengths. I didn't really know tactically what to do at that point. Um and I was just so in shock from this is the Olympics. I'm not like half, you know, half a race ago, I did not think I was be supposed to be here. Mm. So I hadn't done the mental training to be able to adapt at that point. And that, you know, like they went and I just, I couldn't mentally adjust. I, I just watched them run away mm. and I was just in shock. Um, yeah, so it was it was really interesting to me because here it was this this race that absolutely exceeded my expectations, but then once it sunk in, oh my word. I mean, you know, once it sinks in, you're like it's it's not what you achieved on that day. It's what you feel like you lost. Mm. Like if I had believed in myself more, if I'd put myself in more positions to be prepared to fight for that podium, maybe I would have gotten a medal or at least, you know, been closer to it. Mm -hmm. But instead you, you focus so much on the regret side of things and that can be just so toxic. I don't, I don't know how long it took for you to kind of get over the, the disappointment part and the regret to a point of pride, but it took honestly, Greg, it took me years to look at that race and be really proud instead of disappointed in myself. Yeah, it's, 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 I think we're all affected differently from different performances. And I've talked a lot about it where I had to learn how to win. And mm. you're talking about, you know, learning to be on the podium even. Yeah. Is that the same kind of concept? But it's that for me, you know, probably the first half, the first 15 years of my career were, I was very consistent. I was there, thereabouts. Um, even though I won the World Series a couple of times, that was not a lot of winning, you know, there, right. was, there was six, I think, World Cups in three years or whatever. It wasn't a lot of winning. I was never that guy that knew how to win. And and for me, the Athens Olympics was more, I, I'd got, I was on the start line hoping not to embarrass myself. That's how poor my mindset was at that race. You know, I, I'd had an injury and things, but still I, my mindset was don't embarrass myself. That's how yeah. far away I was from thinking of podium <laughs> winning. It was just don't embarrass yourself on TV. Right. Um, terrible, terrible place. And it really did take me sort of two or three years after that before I sort of felt like I started to understand the mindset of what it takes to win. But that took a lot of a lot of deep processing and um, figuring it out. And uh, but, you, you know, for me, I'm, I got to marry Laura after the Olympics and a whole heap of other great things happened that it was kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I moved on reasonably quick after it. But, you know, every now and then I look back and go, oh, a medal would have been nice. A medal right. would have been nice. I mean, of course, right? But um, but then, you know, you got to put it in perspective and go, hang on, I'm an Olympian. I got fourth at the Games. Uh, you know, for you, you trained relentlessly for years, you know, living out of a suitcase. You committed to something fully um 
the, I don't think anybody fully finishes their career going, I did everything I wanted to do. Right. You know, there's always right. this, oh, that would have been nice. And we're talking 10 seconds. Yeah. We're talking 10 seconds for you over a two-hour event to say, oh, <laughs> you know, and that's it's not really fair, is it? I mean, you, you know, I think you've got to be good to yourself on that and go, look, I made the team well. I, uh, I, I fronted up and I presented myself well to the world and delivered a tremendous performance. You know, you ran a 33.52 for 10K. Yeah, but it, 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 took, it took me years to be able to be objective about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, because you put, you put so much into this process mm-hmm. that it's easy to get caught up on the emotion and really hard to step back and say, hey, that was the race of my life at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I had never performed at that level and you just have to take it for what it is. Absolutely. And that's exactly what you did. I mean, but then, you know, you moved on from the games and yeah. you did start winning and, you know, you had big WTS wins in, um, what was it, Stockholm in 2014 and 2015. And 2014, you had just one of those those years. You went far off winning the World Series in 2014. So you, you certainly you know, moved on pretty well and stronger for it. Tell me about those couple of big wins and, and those couple of years. Yeah, so I uh, I moved on. I I wanted to try something different. I loved Darren, but the, the program was definitely changing in those years um, after 2012. So I I worked with Joel Filial for a few years and you know, the, the goal was to learn how to race, you know, at the top of the sport. And I just happens that, uh, you know, my, my, those years coincided with Gwen Jorgensen being absolutely dominant. <laughs> I know. Didn't she, what, what did, when I had her on the show. It was something like 12 wins in a row or something. Yeah, so, something like that. Two years in a row undefeated yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, that, that's, that's really, you know, that was unfortunate timing for me, but it, it also brought, it brought more out of me as an athlete. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I learned how to be an athlete who fought for the podium in those years, mm-hmm. which was what I didn't have going into uh, 2012. So that was, you know, part of my goal. And going to 2016, you know, I I had confidence that I could perform at a podium level. You know, on the day, I had an absolutely disaster of a race, you know, the kind of the the lessons from the past, you know, from 2016 on is that your body can just do weird stuff and you just have to adjust. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, up until that point, things had been pretty predictable for me, but it was just this new wrench into the whole mix. Um, you know, I, I cramped up, like totally devastating, tried to ride, had to DNF, which is never what a fit, ready athlete wants to do at the Olympic games. Mm, it mm. is, it's absolutely devastating. Mm. Um, but you know, you're in the situation and there's nothing else you can do. Uh, mm. so I had to learn how to move beyond that. You know, I had to be proud of over that quad, uh, b- turning myself into the athlete who could f- fight for a podium. You know, I, I, I still, you know, I absolutely believe that I was metal capable on the day. Um, it's just some freaky stuff some ha- happens in races, and it just happened on the worst day possible for me. Um, <laughs> I know. Yeah, but it, it also, I think the upside is that, you know, it makes you 
it's humbling. It's humbling. You realize that um, when things come together, it is really, it's so beautiful. Like when you have the training blocks that go well, when you have the races where, you know, they're most, you know, things mostly go the way you hope or expect them to. It's magical. Mm. Um, And, you know, those, those races really are far and few between for most of us. I tell, I've said this to a lot of young professionals. They're like, yeah, Greg, can you tell us one thing? Well, just get used to the fact you're going to lose far, 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 far more than you're ever going to win. They're yeah. always like, what? I'm like, well, unless your name's Alistair Brownlee or Javier Gomez in the men or Gwen Jorgensen like we mentioned in the women, the rest of us, we scramble. And boy, is it special when that win comes. When, yeah. you, when you push for something for a decade, maybe two, and then finally you start to get a few of them, ah, oh, it just feels so good. I mean – you mentioned a word that I love, and that's you know the humility. This sport will absolutely kick the crap out of you until you become a humble, you know, human being. I, I yeah. really find it, it is one of those sports that it, it really is a a grounding sport. You get too far ahead of yourself, it'll kick the crap out of you. Um, and that's where I think all the professionals, and and you may agree or disagree, but I think all all the professionals, everyone's I've had on this show, and people like my peers that I race against, are just some of the most wonderful people in the world because I think we've all been to hell and back, and you kind of you come a step out of it and go, okay, I can't be arrogant, I can't be this or that, I you know my turn is coming, where I'm going to cramp, where I'm going to have something happen to me. You agree? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, mm. I, I would say that it would be interesting to to talk to those names you mentioned, you know, the the Ali, the Javi, the Gwens, um, because they have tried things in the past few years where they used to mm. be, you know, they're they were accustomed to being dominant. And then, you know, Ali, you know, not having the day he wanted at, at Kona. Same with Javi, mm. where these are athletes who are used to winning. Mm. You know, Gwen switching to running, which is awesome, but all of a sudden not being dominant. Mm-hmm. And that's true. I would I would be so interested whether that's changed the their perspective because yeah, it is it it's humbling in, in a really great way. And I think that's that's one of the things that's beautiful about having such a strong amateur side of sport mm. is that I think our our trajectory is more similar to what the amateurs do than maybe they realize and i i i was separated from that when like when you do the short course racing you don't interact a lot with uh the amateur side of sport but when you get to like ironman half ironman distance racing you are standing in line with everybody whether they're you know a 17 hour person or not mm. and you're covering the same course and you're going through the highs and lows and i i'm not sure that a lot of people you know on the amateur side realize that it's similar highs and lows it's just maybe you go a little bit faster um yeah. but i think it is something that really connects us in in triathlon no, I agree with that whole connection. I think that's one thing you do miss when you do the the short course in the Olympics. And for me, I was fortunate. A lot of my career crossed over with a lot of non-drafting Olympic distance racing in the US where we did get that same kind of the half Ironman, Ironman that you talk about where you get to be on the start line together and, and everything else. Tell me about that transition from going for, you know, the Olympics and to long course and, and what was that like? And, and 
I guess in part of that is, you know, changing coaches again. So you've had, when I look at your coaching <laughs> resume, it's the best of the best. I mean, seriously, yeah. Siri Lindley, one of the great motivators of the world, just her passion is just absolutely contagious and knows how to coach. Um, Darren Smith, another fantastic coach. Joel Filiol, who I've had on the show and just absolutely brilliant, a mastermind of coaching. And then Dan Lorraine, who's <laughs> coaching Jan Fredino and Annie Hug to both win their world titles in 2019. I mean, you really, you've identified great <laughs> coaches. Do you, do you play the stock market? I'm just kidding. <laughs> But I mean, no. you, you, you've done really well there. What was that transition like? So what's, what's cool is that I have learned different things from each coach and, uh, you know, the, for each phase of my career, what their approach was, was relevant. So I think early on, uh, like my first professional coach, it was, I, I, I needed somebody who believed in me more than I believed in myself. And that is Siri to a T. Mm. You know, I don't think it would have been a right fit for me to work with Dan back then because so he's, he's very much into athletes, you know, being autonomous, be like having that self-efficacy where basically I rarely talk to him. He puts my program up. Uh, he, you know, looks at my data. We exchange notes every once in a while. He's there for me if I need him. But I needed to learn how to be able to manage myself day to day, like be able to put 30 hours of training in by myself um, and to to have the mental skills to, you know, be able to get those basics dialed in before I could have somebody who was on the other side of the world just, you know, sending me a program mm. that would not have worked for me as a new pro. Like I needed somebody there, uh, you know, to help me develop those skills. But you know, for where I am in my career, um, you know, it's, it's as you go up in experience, like you need more of a partner than you need necessarily a coach. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, somebody who's deeply involved in all the different aspects of, of high performance. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I've been really fortunate that they all have different strengths and, you know, it's been really, it's been really interesting to watch, their process with athletes. Um, so yeah, I basically, let's see, a uh, couple years after the, after the games, well, actually it was, I think it was like fall 2017 and it was about October before Kona started. And basically I just woke up and I'm like, you know what? I need to do Ironman. <laughs> <laughs> and it had never been a strong impulse you know, it's it's not like I'd been pushing it to the back burner, just chomping at the bit. Can't wait to move on to long course. Um, but for the first time, well, for the first time in years, I would say it was so much a, a personal challenge where for the middle part of my career, like I, I was racing. It was very professional. Right. Mm -hmm. So so I wanted the results. I wanted to, you know make the money because this is, this is what we do for a job. And like, you know, all, all of everything that has to do with the professional side. Uh, but then I think I'd lost the plot of how fulfilling it is to set challenges and go into something that's scary and may fill you with fear. Cause we've seen, you know, plenty of really great short course athletes 
you know, step up in distance and, you know, struggle a little bit. I'm like that, that's very possible that it's going to be me. And I have to commit to this knowing that I may not be good at it. I know nothing about holding, you know, sitting in bars for five hours. I know nothing about the nutrition for long course. I have to learn all this. It's like a whole new sport. Uh, and I may go through a year of this, absolutely hate it, be terrible at it, but at least I'll have put myself out there and tried. And mm. I don't, I was at that point where I'm like, if I don't try, I will be filled with more regret than if I just, you know, call it a, a day. Because at that point it was either I'm done with racing or I'm going to try this longer course stuff and, you know, see if I have a, a love of it and an aptitude for it. And, you know, I, in looking at a coach, I knew that Dan had worked with uh, short course athletes who moved up in distance. And that was really important to me, just understanding the context of uh, mm. where I'd come from. Uh, obviously, you know, he's, he's a great coach um, and had results at that time, but it was, it was more his approach. You know, he's not super high volume. Uh, like it's rare that I would go up to 30 hours a week. We're more like mid twenties, which is, which is quite low for, mm. for Ironman athletes. Um, and somebody who could kind of empower me to be able to do it by myself at home. Mm. And, you know, he ticked all the boxes, you know, he's also super nice guy, um, which makes a big difference to me. And I trusted him and I was right to trust him because he's awesome. He he is awesome. I was blown away when I had him on the show actually. And, uh, just the way he, the style of his coaching, I think would have resonated with me as well. I think yeah. the reason that is, it's like you said, identifying the fact that he, he understands how to bring a, a short course kind of talent or, or that work ethic, that mindset from short course and bring it into Ironman. You know, even when he said, look, I, I, we start off in the program doing VO2 work. Right. And that's almost a com complete flip to many coaches out there that hang on, you're starting doing VO2 work. And, and, but that resonated with me. That was, yeah, I get that, you know, and then you build layer on the strength and endurance on top of it. Um, so that was fascinating for me. And then, so then a year later, um, you've qualified for Kona and you get, um, you come up with a, a fourth place on your debut, that, that experience alone. What was it like? Oh man. Uh, it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> It's really hot there, which is not my strength. Uh, so, you know, that was a big part of it for me too, where I knew that, uh, you know, in short course racing, I did well on cold days when everybody else was, you know, shivering before the start. I knew that like that was going to probably be my day. Hmm. Um, but I had to wrap my head around the fact that these are grueling conditions and I had to be prepared for them. You know, I, I was there over a month in advance of the race, so I knew the course, I knew the conditions, uh, I felt pretty comfortable in Kona. So I, I think that always makes a big difference, um, especially mm. for a first-timer, understanding that by course, understanding the wins a little bit. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, when it comes to race day, you never know. You never know if you're prepared enough and... You know, I was, and I, I, other than the fact that I messed up my nutrition a bit, it was, you know, pretty much on the run. It was pretty much a, the, the swim bike. I wouldn't have done it any differently. The run I would have, uh, been better with taking in calories, 
But just when you get that hot and it's not like it still isn't totally programmed for me to be really on top of the nutrition, mm. it's easy to kind of forget a station or two. And I learned that one the hard way. And Anihag went by me. I'm like, I cannot respond, and I just need to get to the finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the the last 10k, I was I don't remember that much. I really don't remember the crossing the finish line. I left everything out there on the course, and those are the days you have to be proud of. And for me, I mean, what what a contrast with um, you know 2012. So both races. You know, they're, they're major race, races. I finished fourth. One race for me, it took me years to kind of get over that disappointment and feeling like I'd done things the wrong way or could have done them differently. Mm-hmm. And then in Cone, it's like, I'm just, I'm just proud of the fact that that was everything I had. And I probably wouldn't have done things massively differently, you know, me, other than some nutrition. But who knows if it would have made a difference. I probably still would have finished fourth. Um but just the whole process and how I approached them mentally, it was absolutely different. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, the, really the, the emotional maturity that I gained in those eight years. Mm. And I, and I think that's just it. The maturity as an athlete, when you, when you get to that point, you still can, you can manage disappointment, you can manage expectations, you manage self-doubt. All of these things are still there, but I think the management becomes a lot, you become a lot better at it, you know, you, yeah. you, you're more fine-tuned. And and then, look, 2019, I don't want to spend, uh, you know, loads of time at this, but for listeners that don't know the story, 2019 was was an incredible year. Um, and if it's okay with you, I'll just quickly review oh, it yeah. and we can kind of recap it. But So Ironman Cairns uh, in Australia, and for for professionals, you've got to basically finish top one, two, or three, depending on the ranking of the race, how many spots they give to the professionals. Ironman Cairns, you're well positioned. You collapse 17 or so kilometers into the run. Ironman Frankfurt, unbelievable performance a month later. Um, has a six or seven minute lead on second, a 13 minute lead on on third, um, and uh, you collapse with 700 meters. Um, mm-hmm. To the finish, you then have to go to still have to qualify for Kona because <laughs> you finished fourth the year before, and they only give top three only have to validate, whereas everybody else has to qualify. Then you go to Ironman Montreal in Canada and finish second, so you do qualify for Kona. Um, and basically, because of where you've dropped out in those earlier races, you're basically up to your fourth Ironman. I mean, mm-hmm. Frankfurt was seven hundred meters to go, and I mean, you've you've really done the work. Um, I mean, Kona. You then have a mechanical at the start of the bike. <laughs> I just finish 12, start the bike basically 12 minutes, you know, losing 12 minutes. And then you you have, uh, again, some some heat issues um, coming down from Harvey and you end up in hospital. Okay. That's the summary. I think I've got it pretty, I don't, mainly because I don't want to have to, yeah. you have to retell all the drama of it, but where are you at? with understanding your body and this ability to, this ability to, I don't know if admiration is the right word, but I kind of admire the fact that you're able to click this override switch, almost like the Alistair Brownlee, you know, when he went down the London, that race, that World Series race in London where he, you know, took himself, he was running three-minute Ks and then he just, you know, collapsed. You almost have the same kind of override system that won't listen to the brain that says slow down. 
(laughs) What is it? It's so, it's so interesting. Um, I mean, obviously professionally it's kind of devastating because, you know, those were really not great, uh, experiences. Um, well, it's, it's not just not great. I mean, it's dangerous and scary. I mean, yeah. So basically, uh, well, last year I was supposed to do this whole round of testing and, you know, COVID and all, uh, it all got shut down because, uh, yeah. Uh, but basically the, the current hypothesis, cause like we've done the heat testing and everything basically from the neck down seems totally fine. Wow. Yeah. So it's something that's happening in my brain that, um, interprets heat signals before I'm physiologically feeling any real distress. So looking at, you know, if you look at heart rate, for example, uh, so our heart, my heart rate files, totally normal, like Frankfurt, totally normal, exactly where you would think, but something's happening from the shoulders up where my brain has basically interpreted that I'm in danger when I'm not. Wow. And it that's like I I get to the point where it just it turns off the lights. Um yeah, so it's it's really frustrating because you know I do things right like I'm I I'm on top of electrolytes, I'm on top of fluids, like I'm making sure my heart rate's not getting elevated, that the pace and like, you know, my wattage is right and then just my brain's like, yeah, you know, that's this is it we're just going to stop you. So there's, there's a really good chance that I did some, um, pretty, uh, long-term brain damage in Conan 2018. Uh, because I, I, like you said, I essentially overrode that switch and continued to race when like my brain was kind of shutting off. Um, so there's, there's a good possibility that, you know, the, the, the part of your brain that interprets, um, you know, temperature and threat, uh, like basically went into high alert so that it, it shuts off way before I'm actually in danger. Wow. Yeah. That blows my mind. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) pardon the pun, but that blows my mind. It really does. Mm. I mean, it's this protective mechanism that is switching on. I wonder if there's, okay, here's, I'm just hypothesizing here. Um, you know, with a kilometer go in Frankfurt or, or whatever, probably the second biggest race outside of Kona, to be honest, right. is, is huge. Um, I wonder if there's a, an adrenaline side to it where you, that maybe that excitement kicked in or, or you know, and, and that kind of added to fuel to the fire, you know. Was there any maybe. of that, or do you? When, when did it start kicking in? Do you do you, or when did your brain kind of switch off for you in in Frankfurt? Uh so the the lights were dimming. So like, that's really the, the best analogy the I can use is dimming. that, mm. you know, you have like a dimmer switch. There mm. were points probably from like 4k on where it's like the dimmer switch would go up and down. And then, um, like I, I remember going through that aid station and like some, there was a spectator who thought I was in distress and he, he like wanted to help me or another competitor. He wanted to help me. And it basically took all momentum out of my body. Um, and, you know, the the first aid crew, they they see me on the grounds. They they go into high alert. Uh, I honestly believe, like, I definitely could have made it 700 more meters. Mm. It would have been, it would have been ugly. Like, it would have been a continuation of, like, you know, what I had seen. But I was still moving forward at that point. 
Um, which is totally fascinating because the dimmer switch was still going on and off. Uh, but like from the neck down, I was okay. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How infuriating. You don't oh, even. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, I, I had a proper battle at the first aid people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, in fairness to them, right? I mean, they see you. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, t- I totally get it. But yeah. I'm like, I can do it. <laughs> yeah. It was like the uh, Alistair Brownlee grabbing Jonathan Brownlee in Cancun mm. as one of the medics tried to grab him. Yeah. And there's a few explicit, you know, leave him alone. I'll, I'll, I'll drag him to the finish. You, you needed you needed your sister out there to carry you the final 700 meters. You would have been fine. I mean, but you still would have had the same, you know, until we get on top of this, you yeah. know, the same thing going into Kona. So. Oh, totally, totally. So it's not like finishing that race would have changed no. the problem, but that would have been, you know, a significant part of my income for the year. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Oh my goodness, I get it. Yeah, no. Oh wow. And and, and so, uh, do you find um, that ever happens, kind of in training or or certain workouts, or is it just those those events? It it happens a few times after that, like it because we we didn't really do much training between Karen's and Frankfurt. But there were some sessions where that was happening. And then, so like, you know, we we assumed there's something going on with my internal temperature. Uh, and I, I ran with some fancy schmancy, you know, internal thermometer unit, mm. did mm. a whole bunch of testing and totally fine. You know, like core temperature, not showing any distress, but it's just my my brain would start to go into high alert mode uh, before any other signs. Yeah. Oh, so this is a, you're going to be a unique lab test to somebody out there because, <laughs> no, it is. Isn't it fascinating? Yeah. I mean, it, it goes, you know, in our sport, we also, we all hear about all the tests that you're talking about, the heat, you know, and, and the heart rates and heart rate variability and blah, 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 blah. And it's all below the neck. Yeah. And, and this is fascinating. Um, and, and look, I, I, I wish, the, obviously, I wish the very, very best for your health and, and your performances going forward. But in its on its own merit, it's a fascinating idea to 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 go. Wow, the brain has, you know, the override mechanism, the dimming switch, right? And it'll use it when it wants. And well, you're like, it, yeah, yeah, totally. So it, I, I completely. That's what I've been saying over the past couple of years. I'm like, listen, as a professional, this is really frustrating and mm, mm. i like i'm i'm angry at this situation but intellectually it's fascinating to me <laughs> that <laughs> you know my hypothalamus has basically just like i have done serious damage to it and you know the the doctor i'm working with he's like listen maybe maybe this year off um from covid and now you're off because of baby mm. like maybe that's enough to kind of reboot things a bit we're gonna find out um and maybe not. Like maybe this is a long term thing where I probably can't race in hot conditions ever again. Mm. Uh, the only way I'm going to find out is by trying again. And because I am one stubborn mofo, I do want to try again. <laughs> I know, but you have to try again with the open mindset, right? Like oh, without, yeah, yeah, without yeah. this kind of. I know that that's going to be a a, a real. It's going to take a lot of mental preparation in its own right to go. Look, I'm going to. Because I think the the fear mechanism then kicks in that it's going to happen. So it's like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? You know, yeah. so it's like, how do I make sure that doesn't then become a part of it? But um, 
I'm sure you've got techniques in in order to make that happen. Has was Ben able to travel with you to these events in Australia and Frankfurt? You know, did you have family with you when these events happened? No, uh, Ben was there in Kona though. So that was yeah. that was good, yeah. Yeah, for that one, because that's yeah. the thing; these things are kind of scary when you're on your own. Do you travel with the team when you go to these big events normally? No. Or? So that that was one of the the interesting things about most people their first year of Ironman. You know, they go through the the low points and they're like, "Oh man, I learned how painful it is to bonk," or you know, like you make little mistakes. My first year, like, hey. This isn't that bad. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I, can, I can manage this on my own. No big deal. I don't need a team around me. Right, right, uh, right. And then the second year, I'm like, oh, that was really humbling. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that good, though? I mean, you learned yeah. that, that it's like, okay, the importance of having the team. I mean, we keep growing. We keep learning. Just yeah. when we, it's, Isn't it funny? You think you figured it all out. And then you're like, oh, I'm a day older and I, I'm still learning. I'm still, <laughs> I still don't have it all. Um, yeah, I was hoping we'd see you in... Um, Daytona last year, but I guess that was yeah. You already yeah, yeah, yeah. little then. little yeah. mini bun in the oven. <laughs> yeah, mini mini. We used to call, we used to call our little Sydney a pine nut because that was about oh. the size of it when we, when we when we found out. Um, yeah. So you're keeping a little bit active now for for training and things. Oh yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I I think obviously once you're an athlete, you're going to want to be active your entire life. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's very strong uh, evidence suggesting that an active mom results in a health healthier baby. So, you know, I'm before my surgery a few weeks ago, I was up to like, I was pretty much stayed around 20 hours a week for training, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, solid, but as a professional, like, it's on the lower end. And I, I took a lot of the intensity out mm. and now I'm just kind of building back from surgery. Uh, I have no idea what the third trimester is going to be, but I'm so grateful for learning the humility about my body in the mm. past few years that I'm totally okay. Just not sticking to schedule right now. Uh, listening to cues like right now, my job is to grow a healthy human and, you know, continue to stay active because it's going to be better for me mm. on the other side and for baby. But it's it's a very different mindset from when you are in full training mode, you have this feeling of control mm. and, you know, wanting to stick to schedule and wanting to tick the boxes. And it's such a shift to wake up in the morning and be like, you know what? I'm not feeling awesome. So I'm just going to do an easy swim today. Such, such a big shift. <laughs> it's been a massive shift on our life. Both yeah. Laura and I, you know, the way that we're, we're both fairly anxious people, Laura and I, and, and, and so sports always been great for us and having a bit like you goals and plans and, and having kids is forcing us to be everything we're not. And that it's been great because I think we needed some of that of uh, just letting go because, you know, oh, nap time's at one o'clock. You know, we got to get it. It's like just chill out you know we've had to it's been hard for us you know yeah. it's a process of letting go i really feel like that's it parenting is almost the process of letting go trying to build healthy kids protect them the best you can uh i think uh crowy crowy when he was on he said greg you know progress over perfection yeah. and you just try and do the best you can as a parent and that's what i keep reminding laura look progress over perfection the kids are going to get sick they're going to get this and this and this we do the best we can but um look let, let's wind up with with a, a few questions if we can I, I firstly i have 
fit, like to finish off with a couple of big questions. Like, firstly, what's one tip you have for people on how to just optimize their lives? Uh, oh, anybody, athlete or non? Anybody. Yeah. Well, what's sort of one bit of advice? I mean, it can be, it can be an athlete or, or you, you know, it depends any, anybody you want. Prioritize sleep. Oh, what a cracker. I love that. <laughs> no, that is, you know, I don't think, I think that's exactly it. I, I love the fact that when we were athletes, people would say, don't call the Bennett's after eight. Yeah. Because it was that, that prioritize sleep. Fantastic. So your sleep hygiene, you guys are, are on it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, our number one concern about having kids is the sleep thing, but <laughs> we are going to sleep train that baby right away. Now yeah. we're, we're full on, like we travel with, um, a white noise machine, you know, we'll do the blackout shades. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Screens down well in advance of bedtime, all that oh, stuff. Yeah. Oh, Wi-Fi off. We, I've, I've said on the show this year, we invested in a chili pad. So the, the, the bed's really cold. Um, yep. We, we have the white noise machine going too. We actually do the ocean these days. We do waves crashing. Mm. My mum couldn't stand it. We had to share a room in New York when we went up there about 18 months ago. And I had, I'm like, mum, i go turn on the wave machine. She's like, what? <laughs> I have these waves crashing in the background. She, she almost felt like she was getting seasick. Um, <laughs> now, here's another question for you. If you could um, sit and have a coffee with any living person, who would it be and why? Hmm. <sighs> Oh, that's a tough one. This is such a lame answer, but I haven't seen my sister in months, and I just want to see my sister. I miss that her. Is, that is so wonderful. We didn't we didn't talk about your sister. Um, amazing She's novelist. Awesome. She's absolutely. <laughs> I remember 2015. I think you posted the book that she wrote. Uh, sorry. Uh, and I remember President Obama said it was his favorite book of 2015. Oh, Fates and Fears. She has a new coming one, one coming out this fall, so I'll plug her. Yeah, it's called so Matrix. It's Lauren, Lauren? Is his sister's yeah. name? Lauren Groff. Yeah. yeah. Um, absolutely amazing novelist, people. Check her out. Um, I'll put that in show notes as oh, well. Oh, thank but, you. Um, yeah. You, you, you go, you, what, what about your, your brother then? Um, what's he up to? Oh, he's kind of like the black sheep of the family. So he's, <laughs> he's, he's an MD MBA, like has five oh. businesses, you know, four kids, whatever. <laughs> what is it with your family? Oh my gosh. You, you can't have all of you be amazing. So you've got the Olympian, the novelist and the, the MBA businessman, five businesses. My goodness. Well, there's the dark side we're not going to talk about in the show, but <laughs> That's incredible. That's fair. I, congrats to your parents. They've done a wonderful job. Um, now, I, this is what I've just added the last few few episodes, and I'm Ooh. having fun doing it, so I'm going to okay. continue to do it. I'm going to ask you 15 just really rapid-fire questions. Okay, do it. You can say pass, okay? Ooh. So don't feel you have to answer. Um, they're a bit of fun. Some of them are a bit serious, but otherwise, uh, let's let's give it a crack, huh? Okay, I'll try okay. to be speedy. No, you're right. <laughs> Tap into my my fast twitch from fast years twitch. ago. No, you don't have to do it like that. It's just more. <laughs> it's a fun way for me to end up. Anyway, here we go. What is your favorite family vacation? Uh, Northeast Kingdom, Vermont. Nice. Who would you dream of having a head-to-head -head duel to the finish with at Kona Ironman World Champs? Rennie. I love it. I <laughs> knew you'd say that too. That's great. Uh, <laughs> Is it is it kind of a deeper one? What would you change about yourself if you could? Uh my feet size. Foot size. They're too big. 
Is that right? Yeah, but, but, very look large. Well, but look at how well you swim. Yeah, I don't kick though. Yeah, people say that. You know, here's something for you. I have webbed toes. Right, but you don't kick. I don't kick at all and I have I locked know. ankles, so they're absolutely useless. Yeah, I have zero it's, yeah. It, they're just there. Mm. It's not helpful. <laughs> we we should, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh, you made me laugh. That was good. Um, here we go. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give yourself, 18-year-old self? Chill out. Nice. I like that. Most recent book you've read? Uh, <laughs> a pregnancy fitness book. <laughs> good. Well done. Actually, Laura's got a really good one. Um, I think it's called Fit for Pregnancy. Um, I've forgotten the, the name of it, but I'll have Laura reach out okay, to you. Okay, thanks. She said it's really, really on it with what Okay, to cool. Eat, and especially third trimester type stuff. So, um, Outside of triathlon, if you could choose to do anything for a day, what would it be? Oh, uh... I'd like to go scuba diving again. Nice. That sounds fun. I've never done that. I can't, it's fun. Yeah. I can't, my ears, you know where you can't, compre- what do they call it? Compress your ears or whatever it is. Oh, I yeah. can't do that. I, whenever oh. I dive deep in a pool, I'm like, ah. Oh, that hurts. Mm. Mm. Okay, here's a fun one. Which would you rather do? Wash dishes, mow the lawn, clean the bathroom, or vacuum the house? Vacuum the house. That is so funny. You, you and um, Dr. Hannah Wells both said that. All, all the guys I've had on it have said mow the lawn. Oh, <laughs> so, funny. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Who would you want to play you in a movie of your life? Uh, Meryl Streep. Oh, wow. Strong woman. <laughs> I like it. I mean, she's gotten a whole bunch of Oscars. I know she'll do it well. <laughs> she would do a fantastic job. Everybody loves Meryl Streep. But she also plays that really strong, but she can also be fun. So, yeah, that's a good – I like it. <laughs> Um, what was the last gift you gave somebody? Uh, I made Easter dinner for my family. Oh, good on you. If you had a time machine, would you travel to the future or back to the past? Past. Hmm. How far back? Uh, 10 years. Just 10 years? Yeah. Man, I'd, I'd go back to the Romans. Oh, oh, we're allowed to go back beyond the scope of our... Yes. Oh. <laughs> and anywhere I, to the future. Like, think. Oh, you know, it was pretty shitty for women for most of history. So uh, this is pretty. This is a good moment for women. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, I wouldn't want to be, you know, 1800s Victorian era, like corsets and everything. I would, no. I would not jive well there. No, that would be uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well thought out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Talk to animals. Yeah, that's an easy one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be so cool. <laughs> okay, uh, here's another animal question. If you could describe yourself as an animal, which one would it be? Uh, a moose. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> and that you didn't even have to think long about that one. <laughs> kind of awkward, surprisingly good swimmer, funny looking, big feet. Uh, oh, that eats is brilliant. grass and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> Listen to New Hampshire. I don't know, Greg. <laughs> all, all of that was just so great. Um, okay, here's one invisibility or super strength. Uh, invisibility. 
Mm, good one. Okay, most recent show you watched on Netflix? Uh, this Danish show called Borgen. Okay, Borgen. Yeah, it's kind of a mix of, um, oh, let's see, West Wing and uh, what's the other political Kevin Spacey one I'm totally blanking on? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, where he's president. Blah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah. Uh, oh, come on, how can we both blank on that? I know. Well, those two shows. Yes. Okay. Got it. Got it. It'll come to us when we, as soon as we hang up here. Um, okay. Final question. If you won a hundred million dollars in the lottery, how would you spend it? Unfortunately, they take a lot of it in taxes. No, 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 no. You get to keep it. Don't, oh, don't, get, don't get all don't get all practical on me like Laura oh, would sorry. do. Just, 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 play, just play with me on this. Uh, we would buy our dream farm, mm. and then save. Most of it for our child's education because it's getting out of control. <laughs> yes, you'll need you'll need all of that yeah. <laughs> plus some. <laughs> oh, that's that's great. Yeah, I'm always surprised when I ask that question because I, I feel like I'm the only one that actually has a whole spreadsheet on how I would spend it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do. Laura, Laura thinks I'm hilarious. I'm like, I'm so sure I'm going to win. Every I play with Mark and Helen Jinx, Jenkins. You know, oh, fun! Yeah. Every now and then, and I'm always so sure we're going to win it that I want to be prepared. That's you know, that's you my know. whole planning thing. You see, I can't even enjoy the lottery. I have to be ready. Uh, <laughs> one day I'll share it with everybody on the show. But well, what do they say? Like anticipation's half the the pleasure. That's true. Yeah. That's it. It's that, it's that kind. Of, is that what they say? Something like that. Maybe I just made it up. I don't no, know. No, that was a good one because I think you're right. It's that kind of, you don't, you know, and then when it actually happens quite often, it's, it really is what was about the journey. Um, but- Ooh. Did we, did we just come full circle? <laughs> <laughs> I hope everybody's been enlightened by this conversation that you and I have had. It's been absolutely wonderful, Sarah. I it's just, been such a joy, Greg. I, I just, so let me just say before... Just massive congratulations. I am really, really excited for you guys. Um, oh, thank you. Really, it's I, I welcome any happened. parenting tips. <laughs> we're clueless. Somebody uh, asked today if we had set up like a baby room. We haven't done that. We, no. are, we are so unprepared. No, you're not. <laughs> Honestly, we never, Laura and I never did the nursery. We never okay, did good. the, we, we, we threw the baby in a bassinet yep. um, and we were there for it. I really think that's the biggest thing. Just be there for it and, you know, you're going to leave the hospital after a couple of days in hospital and they're going to go, see you later, and you're going to drive home with a little guy, girl in the back and you're going to go home and go, holy crap, now what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> and you just figure it out. And <laughs> your, your mums are, you know, if your mums are around, they often give the best advice, which is, you know, stop listening to everybody and just, use some common sense and it's amazing how it just ticks along. Um, so that's it. There's my parenting advice. <laughs> no, I think, I think that's, that's the best overall is that, you know, ultimately you learn through experience. Yeah. Yeah. The whole breastfeeding things, a lot of, you know, that's worth talking to Laura and Rini and everybody about because that's. Don't they that's just a- kind of know how to do it? Yeah. You need the hospital will give you a lactation consultant and make okay. you know that first time it latches on and you know, and then then there's the whole pumping thing you know I don't uh, know the, yeah. that, that, that's that's the bit that you know Laura you wants know to, more than I do Greg oh and- I, I've been in the trenches <laughs> uh, Sarah this has been just absolutely wonderful so thanks so much for your time and just just sharing all your your journey and all your experiences and knowledge it's just been 
absolutely fantastic. So thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. It's really nice catching up. Yeah, it has Ho- been. Hopefully we'll we'll do it in person before too long. Oh, I can't wait. Can't we'll have wait. like a kid play date. That'll be it. Yes, we'll have to bring them all together and then we can just all sit down, have a glass of wine and we can record some of these shows. Now, where, where can people, you know, the listeners follow you? Where are you at? Uh, in New Hampshire. Um, now, <laughs> I, I guess I guess the, the default is Instagram these days. Yeah. I don't even know. Sarah Be True or something like that. Sarah yeah. Be True. I'll put it in the, the show notes. And, and you have a YouTube oh. show. You guys are doing a bit on that, aren't you? Every now and then? Yeah, r- rarely, rarely, yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to keep up with all of it, isn't it? Oh, yeah, no. just life gets in the way, you know? All right. Well, Sarah, this has been great. Thanks, everybody, for listening um, and sharing the show and everybody's feedback. I really appreciate it. And you can find all the show notes and timestamps and all the links and coupon codes at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. Thanks again, Sarah. Stay on the line. That was wonderful. Thanks a lot for listening to Be With Champions. If you enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Be With Champions Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode, so subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.